0: I find a good bishop, I'd cross the ocean for him. A fearless, good bishop who is teaching the faith once delivered to the saints, I'd go anywhere to support him.
1: All this acreage—is it—is this your land still, or this is then? all ours? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It is. It is. How far, tell us when it, it ends as being yours, so. Uh,
0: pink Ribbon means it's ours. Um, probably to here. Till here. I,
1: um, and then it goes back up our ways.
0: Back, quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, Beautiful. I have to walk it, they had a survey company come out and put the pink ribbons in the stakes, but I haven't walked it. Okay. Um, and the thing is, they have a couple of hundred acres of land, the owners. Uh-huh and they've decided to sell it all. And they've already, we're, if if this van is the acreage, we're right in the middle of it. And they're partitioning anywhere from 15 acres to 92, partitioning it all off. They want to sell it all. Wow. And so I told them when they're ready, let me know because I'll announce it. Mm-hmm. And we could have a whole Catholic Benedictine community. <laughs> It'd be nice because people want to leave.
1: Hopefully quarter of Benedict priests across from you no, so they be, can come over. And wouldn't that
0: be wonderful, that'd be absolutely wonderful. Wow.
1: But
0: Bishop Strickland is he's an absolute church. He's an absolute it's
1: one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. So we've learned that approximately four hundred families have moved here because of Bishop Strickland. And the news that something may happen to him, that he might be cancelled as it were, or or Sent somewhere else, or whatever, is uh, first of all, it, it's stunning, it's not surprising, but it's still
0: a, a and devastating to the people here.
1: Yeah, what would that mean here? Yeah.
0: The people would be devastated because they came here because of him. And when Bishop invited us here, he said, Mother, the only thing I can promise you is that I'll be here forever because. He already knew they weren't pleased with him. And I said, no, we don't know the future. We live by the day. And I said, if you, know, if you go, we'll follow you, no problem. But we didn't expect to buy land like this. Yeah. We've never had anything like this. So I don't know what will happen. It would depend upon if the Vatican puts him out, it would depend upon who they put in. Yeah. And uh, we, we have no clue of that. What he's been doing, the bishops that have been replacing bishops, hasn't been a good situation, so we don't know. Um, The people will be um, just keeping their fingers crossed that a good bishop comes, Um, but we don't know. And so I think I mentioned to you that one of the reasons we moved our vows up was to make sure we could be here. but we don't know, and he doesn't know, but what Bishop Strickland is doing is doubling his efforts to be who he's called to be as a bishop. He's speaking out more than ever before. He is spending every second at every parish, the entire diocese taking care of the sheep. And it's a huge diocese, physically, yeah. feet wide. Uh, he's going all over the place to make sure the sheep Are good and everything is in place. If he has to leave, he's an amazing man. And he says, he said, you know, who would ever think of me, a kid from Texas? That's what he calls himself, a kid from Texas. What do they want with me? But he doesn't know. You know, they came to silence him, those two bishops. Yeah. And he, you can't silence him. I'm called to preach the gospel. You don't want the gospel preached. He's not radical. He's not radical. Yeah. He's just preaching
1: salvation. Hey, my friends, now is the time to stand up and fight. We are just about to have the Synod on Synodality, and everything that you've seen indicates that it's going to be an absolute disaster. We have Father James Martin as a personal appointee of the Pope speaking at it. We've got Cardinal Supic, Cardinal Tobin, these picks of the Pope to engage in this synod are indicative of where we're going. We're going into heresy. And at these times of great crisis, the church, especially those called in the laity to work for the glory of Christ in his church, are called to gather and strategize. Back in 2014, LifeSite launched something called Rome Life Forum. It was a gathering at that point of some 75 life and family leaders from all around the world to strategize as to what we could do. And when we gathered, the majority of people were most concerned about what? About Pope Francis, about what was going on in Rome. But this was 2014, but the life and family leaders saw it first. Now, a decade on, we are confronted with some of the most severe challenges the church has ever faced. And so, our tradition at LifeSite is to continue with Rome Life Forum, which has continued every year until... We had to take a break over COVID because we weren't permitted, but we're starting it up again. Please come, if you feel so called, to Rome, October 31st and November 1st, the very end of the Synod on Synodality, and uh, we'll be there to strategize with His Eminence, with His Excellency, and with many life and family leaders from around the world. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston, and may God bless you. So one of the things that we learned that was really beautiful about Bishop Strickland was um, we talked with a, a friend who knows him well, and he told us of his routine of two hours of adoration before the Mass in the morning. Right. So <laughs> we thought, whoa, On his knees before the I know, for an hour and a half, and then just stunning. So because it, it is funny, you think of all the bishops in the United States, and, and they do have. A couple of handfuls of of very faithful bishops, but none like him. He's unique in that he stands out for speaking out. He speaks
0: out; he's not silent.
1: That's where he differs from basically everyone. Uh, there's one notable exception, in Bishop Schneider. I mean, they're the two bishops on the planet that are speaking out on a on a scale like that. I guess you could say. I'm sure the African bishops are too, but we don't hear them too much over here. But they, the two of them have been gifted like just about no one else on the planet um, but when I heard of the adoration everything made sense again. It was like, oh that's how I get. it was funny because I was told it and I <laughs> the, the person who I was talking to, he laughed because it, I reacted with, <laughs> in such a big way because it, it's like, oh of course, that's why because if you absorb and i don't mean to belittle but then any kid from kansas or from texas can be that fisherman we try to be himself.
0: Yeah.
1: and uh it's uh it's just it's beautiful he's had to do a lot of hard things um, and uh he's been no no and please god he can be it, it really is now, wa- these waters are perilous, so navigating them is, uh, is, a, is a challenge. And he's got you know, the ear to the Holy Spirit, quite literally. So um,
0: His flock love him. And they've just, you may know it, they put together a Defending Our Faith conference, you know that, uh, August 31st, September 1st, with him speaking and a couple of others. Um, just to support him, yeah. just to support him. And they wrote, Bishop Snyder called to support him, Bishop Snyder wrote a letter of support.
1: Um, they just want to support him. Why should people come even from out of state for September 1st, 2nd, the conference?
0: Why should they come? I tell you what, if I find a good bishop, I'd cross the ocean for him, a fearless good bishop who is teaching the faith once delivered to the saints? I'd go anywhere to support him and to be with him and to be encouraged by him. So, in my mind, I wish the world would show up. The whole world. I think what they've rented, the place they've rented, holds about a thousand people. I'd like to see 10,000 people flood that place and show the Vatican how hungry the sheep are for truth and for a true shepherd. That's what I would love.
1: I'm going to ask him today if uh, he's open to coming. So we're running Rome Life Forum October 31st, November 1st, and uh, Bishop Schneider is speaking and Cardinal Muller is speaking at it. Oh. But uh, I was going to ask him if he'll come as well, um, as I've asked you. <laughs> um, and uh, if he's able to, that would be wonderful. But it's a challenge, because we're going to see, I think, at least from what it looks like, we're going to see the, uh, a more clear agenda, if you will, out of this Synod, even first chapter of it. Uh, we'll see what, you know, what it brings. One of the things I meant to ask you as well, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but I did an interview with Dr. Peter Krasniewski so he spoke of cuz it was right when the rumor came out that Bishop Strickland could be canceled and or moved or whatever and oh i did see it yeah. because he said you resist because yeah.
0: there's no grounds for it i that's did right. see that that's right yeah
1: it's a very controversial uh, thing to say i guess but it makes total sense yeah. that's right. in the in the church in Olden days, if you will, before Vatican II, the bishop was wedded to the diocese. He was like the husband of the diocese, and that Peter was explaining makes a lot of sense, you know. And so we we experience this all the time nowadays that your bishop is moved to become archbishop of this or that or something else. Um, yeah, do you? How do you feel about the situation with regard to bishops and dioceses and moving and all of that?
0: he's a good bishop, nobody wants him to move. Nobody wants him to be replaced. And it it has the sense of being the job because she know the shepherd's voice and he wouldn't leave them. So I I think for bishops to move move around like that is, uh, it doesn't feel Catholic, it feels Protestant also, moving all over the place. And people um, uh, choosing their churches and all that. I I wish it wouldn't happen, but of course, if it's a bad bishop, uh-huh. you want him to be moved. Yeah. But I I would say that no, if he's, uh, we would love to see a bishop stay forever, and position not make that issue. I don't know where this whole, is clericalism the right word, seeing uh, the priesthood as a queer, moving up, getting promoted, getting more, it it makes me ill, it makes me ill uh, because you say they've lost, I say either they lost their faith or they never had it. I have no idea how so many bishops can fall as they have. Shocking. I'm not shocked. I'm a New Yorker. Nothing shocks me. But the way the bishops, the scriptures, oh, how the mighty have fallen. The way the bishops have fallen, it's shocking to me. How could they have had genuine faith and had position and power and falsehood and everything else take over, let alone immorality? It's—it's. It's just awful, and for me, John Henry, I just, I live 24-7 for souls to be saved. I don't want anything else. for the world, for the dirty laundry of the Catholic Church being exposed. I'm embarrassed of what's happening and being reported all over the news. It's just so horrible. It's so horrible. I think it was Cardinal Mueller who said uh, to Raymond Arroyo, we need to start this over again with 12. (laughs) (laughs) 12 that will give their whole lives. uh, It's so, so awful. And you want to tell everybody the Catholic Church is the fullness of faith. The faith. But uh, it it was the same when I came in. The hardest thing of becoming Catholic is Catholics. It's a shame, but today it's so, so awful. LGBT, I'm not saying anything new, this is old news now. But bishops, everyone's welcome. LGBTQ, welcome them to teach them the faith, not to. It's a transgenderism, bishops getting into getting into that, fighting for it. It's just so it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible and on such a huge scale all over the world, in all the countries. Yeah. You know more than I know.
1: With all that's going on in the world and the church today, it's actually critical for us to devote time to prayer and retreat as our Lord did in the Gospels. Now, there are perhaps few better ways to do so than to take a pilgrimage and follow in the very footsteps of Jesus Christ himself on a journey through the Holy Land. LifeSite News is proudly sponsored by the Franciscan Foundation of the Holy Land, which is now offering a rare opportunity to elevate your faith. Join Father Peter F. Vasco, a Franciscan priest and native to the region for nearly 40 years as he guides you through the heart of the Holy Land on a 10-day tour through Israel. Watch the Bible come to life as you visit sacred holy sites, walk the ancient streets of Jerusalem, visit the Nativity Church built over the grotto of Jesus' birth, pray in the upper room at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and much, much more for information on this outstanding opportunity visit the franciscan foundation for the holy land at www.ffhl.org that's www.ffhl.org or call 855-500-3345 that's 855-500-3345 and now back to the program the only holdout it seems is africa and the, the bishops there have, have maintained a strength that I was stunned by because when we were there, the bishops, as you know, Pope Francis on August the 25th last year said that the bishops of Africa need a conversion on the issue of these anti-sodomy laws. And we went to Africa and I was actually worried maybe the bishops are gonna obey or, or follow the advice of, of Pope Francis. And uh, it was no way. In fact, when he came, uh, he came in September, while we were still there, he had sort of this, he didn't mention it while he was there, but he was was leaving at that press conference with Justin Welby and Ian Greenshields, the leader of the Church of Scotland and the Church of England. And uh, they had this talk again about the need to be open and welcoming on the LGBT issues. And uh, again, the need for the bishops of Africa to convert on the issue. And you know what? Right after that, for Lent, the bishops of Africa started a campaign to oppose the LGBT agenda. Yeah. <laughs> they they went in the opposite direction. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I was so happy. Yeah. So, Mother, it was a it was a very providential day to come on a day when two of your sisters were clothed with the habit. That's just beautiful, yeah. and. Um, what does the ceremony that you're going to undergo tomorrow mean? What is that final vows? What is, what is that? And what does that mean for your sisters too? What's that process?
0: It's an eight-year process, actually. You come in, you're aspiring for a month, you're a for six months to a year, you're not a religious yet, you're postulating.
1: And what does postulating mean?
0: Uh, observing, experiencing the charism, the, the work, the apostolate, the prayer life, the character of the community to help discern if you are called to religious life, and to that community, because someone could come and say, no, it's too active for me, I want totally but to... But they
1: still dress in layman's clothes?
0: No, for the month of C, but then they have a postulant outfit, which oh, okay. they got out of this morning, but okay. it's a long black skirt, um, a scapular, half, and a white blouse, oh. and a black scarf on their head, oh, okay. which makes them look more like sisters than sisters today in the world, <laughs> that's true. Um, and then, after six months to a year, if they want to enter the novitiate as they did this morning, it the novitiate is the actual entrance into religious life. Even if you've been with the community a year mm-hmm. and you become a sister for the first time okay. and you receive the habit and your religious name, in some communities, let like the sisters pick their religious name or choose from a few. I give them their name. Oh wow! I give it. that's really helps them. It, it's I could become a wreck in case you know I give them a name they're going to live with the rest of their life. But I, I study them. Okay. And, and
1: so tell us about that. You study them. What do you mean?
0: Well, um, I want them. I want them to have names of saints that they want to live up to, mm. who gave their lives, and who they want to emulate, so they could be their saint through life. And so I look at their hearts, their love. Uh, one gal this morning, uh, Sister Joan Marie, Joan of Arc. Um, she is the most timid person, gentle. You can hear her when she talks. You have to say sometimes, speak up. She's shy. She's not aggressive. Sister, why are you standing there? Well, I wasn't sure if I should do this. Just do it. Don't worry. Use your judgment. Everything. But. Every time I have spoken about in the community, things have happened about rescuing children or rescuing families or rescuing a wife that's being abused or finding shelter for someone or doing this, she more than anyone in the community is with me, she lights up. Hmm. She lights up. She's happy. She's the first one to say yes. She doesn't hesitate. She'll do anything to rescue anyone. And she's an LVN, almost a nurse. And she's heroic. You know, I'll be reading about the saints or martyrs and all and she loves it. So I found out Joan of Arc was her greatest saint. And I, so I, she, I don't think she was so surprised that I named her sister Joan Marie, but she was ecstatic that I her title is of the Holy Cross. That's, that's amazing. So for me, When I first started this, I thought, I'm going to be a wreck. How do I give somebody a name? They're going to use the rest of their life. But it's it's turned out. It's Mm. turned out. Thanks be to God. uh, It's wonderful. So observe their character, what encourages them. Um, Not what I think they need, but people that really inspire them to be who they are. That St. Francis de Sales, one of his favorite quotes, be who you are and be that well. That's what
1: I want for the sisters. And were you able to do that with Sister Gertrude as well? Oh, my
0: goodness. We were in, um, we were somewhere, it could have been, I don't think it was in Rome with you, but we were somewhere, and she was a postulant. And she found St. Gertrude the Great on our bookshelves. And she said, you know, Mother, I've never known who St. Gertrude was. And she couldn't put the book down. She read it over and over again, adopted her way of prayer. Everything in Saint Gertrude, of course, was a is a Benedictine Saint Gertrude the Great, mm. um, and uh, you know how they say the saints choose you, you yeah. don't choose that. That became her love. That was the easiest thing in the world for me, Saint Gertrude, because every every one of the sisters going to have a form of Mary, Mary, Marie, yeah. uh, Maria, okay. Miriam, every one a form of Mary because we're her daughters. So, um, so Gertrude Marie, that, I said. Four weeks, Marie Gertrude, Mary Gertrude, Gertrude, Mary. how do I do that? So come to that. And then, and then for everyone, that has a title. And so, Saint Gertrude, which many people don't know, we know that our Lord appeared to Saint Margaret Mary to show her his uh, sacred heart. But 700 years before that, he appeared to Saint Gertrude first to spread that devotion. Oh, wow. Very few people know that, but he did. He came to her to spread the devotion, and she's Benedictine and um, Margaret Mary's visitation, St. Francis de Sales, and both of them are our patrons. And he came to both of them on the feast of St. John the Evangelist, Mm. both of them, the beloved. And St. Gertrude said, Lord, why did you wait so long to give us this devotion? It's not in scripture, except it was John who leaned on his breast, St. John the Evangelist. And he said, because there would be a time the world would need him more. Mm. And then he appeared, I think about 700 years later, to St. Margaret Mary and told her to spread that devotion. So, Sister Gertrude, both of them. So she is um, Gertrude Maria of the Sacred Heart. Mm. Mm. It takes me time to put all that together, but I, I, I start praying from the day that they come on a retreat. Yeah,
1: beautiful. So, um, and the young lady who's here as well, Eileen is her name? Eileen. Eileen. So, is she, or she's just visiting for now, she doesn't know if she's going to...
0: She's discerning, however, she came with us for a uh, retreat, discernment retreat, when we were in Kansas, and she loved us. She walked around bare feet, she's a little country girl. So we would say to her at a certain time, you can't be bare feet, you can be right in the house, in the field. But church but she's <laughs> so she put socks on so we named her little socks and so she <laughs> kept in touch with us and Christmas cards and other things uh, and then she wrote me a couple months ago can I visit you again so she's here again she absolutely loves us and we love her she's a sweetheart but we had a big conversation two days ago she and I and she said I love you all I just love it but I think I want children and I said this is fabulous. Don't worry about that. This is great. And and it'll be good that you checked out religious life. Someone who wants children should check it. Someone who wants uh, religious life should date. Is this fine? So she she she's 24 and um, she just doesn't know that she doesn't want to be married. She's not sure. She I said if you dated she said, "Well, but <laughs> so um, we had one gal leave us, came in her 20s, and she now has a baby and married. And it's a wonderful thing. we yeah. become part of their family, it's good. So, she really loves us, and we love her. She's a delight, <laughs> but she'll probably, she's... she's
1: so, it, it's funny then, because you then sort of have a, a relationship with these women who are uh, then married, but they discern with you a little bit, Yeah. Um, and you still feel tied to them. Oh,
0: and they, and they to us, and we have oblates. So we have Benedictine Oblates oblates in the world who um, follow the rule of St. Benedict and the particular charism, so to speak, of the particular St. Benedictine community they want to be a part of. But it's how to live that in the world. Okay. So if we don't live the rule and pray and all that, once we have vows, it's a matter of sin. There's always reasons, if there's reasons, but. In the world, there's no sin. You're supposed to pray five times a day and you don't pray 15 minutes one day because your family will always come first, not a matter. Yeah. But it gives them a rule of life and it's very helpful.
1: You know that here on LifeSight we love to tell amazing stories. There are few so heroic and amazing as the story we're about to tell you that's coming soon. you got to watch this. When I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry and He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the 1980s What's were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse.
0: What say you, Mr. Foreperson, is the defendant guilty or not guilty?
1: I think that for many of us that has also been all-encompassing you know I mean I entered the seminary in January of 2004 and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning one priests sacrifice for many priestly sins the story of father John Holowell. coming soon from LifeSight News for the layman what is the rule of St. Benedict? What does that mean?
0: Yeah. Um, you've heard the expression aura et labora. So aura, pray, labora, work. Work and pray. And my, uh, my heart for families is that they would pray. So we would go into families, uh, before they were with me, I was in Oklahoma, once a month. And we'd help them set up a prayer table and uh, we would bring a little triptych of Our Lady. Our Lady, of the way, is the Lady of our order, but it could be the Holy Family, it could be any image of Mary or our Lord. And we'd go into their house and figure out a prayer table and they say, oh, we, we don't have, we don't, do you, you have any tablecloth? No, we don't have, I it say, give me a pillowcase. And we'd get a table, we get a little spot. it's clean, put a pillowcase on it, put our little triptych or image we'll bring them and bring them two candles, in a little glass, not too big because of the children, they can't knock them over. And the children say, can we get flowers? So they go pick flowers, put it on the little altar. It's a home altar. And we bring them uh, a bag of beads. I don't know if I ever told you this, but it's, it's um, we get beads, marbles, and they all look the same, uh, totally clear or a million colors. You can't tell whose is what. We bring them a bag of marbles. Had a family of uh, seven children. I would bring them 50 marbles, and the idea in a little clear bowl. And I put the bowl on the table before a lady, and give them 50 marbles in a bag. They put behind the image. Every time the children did something good for someone, they couldn't tell anybody. It had to be between them and God. They couldn't say I did it. They helped a friend at school. They didn't beat up their baby sister. They helped their mother do the dishes the first time she asked or without asking. They did something good between them and God. They could take a bead out of the bag and put it in the bowl and give it to Our Lady to give to Jesus. And I would come back once a month and with one little home, the oldest was 12, seven children. And he'd, look, Mother Miriam! Not a single bead left, you know? And then we'd start again. And the parents would say to me, could we do this too? Could we put these in also? And uh, one home, they had one daughter who they adopted, and actually it was their son's daughter. So her older brother is her father, and she doesn't know her. Just a lot of drugs, all kinds of things. So we helped them set that up. And uh, we had a little booklet with prayers and teaching at the time. And we would give it to the father, and they'd gather around, And uh, I said, the father would say, oh no, give it to my wife. She's better at prayer. I I would always say, I know. I don't know what God had in mind, but it's your job, So (laughs) We'd make the father pray, and the kids would go (laughs) And the wife also tried not to laugh, but it changed the family. Mm. And this one little girl was eight, ADD, uh, failing in everything, third grade, but failing, had special, needed special tutors and all of that. The first month, I went back there one uh, a month later to see how they were doing. And I wasn't driving, so the husband picked me up and the wife drove me home. And they both said the same thing. You will not believe what's happened in our house in one month. We've experienced God's grace like we've never known, because they pray every night. That's part of the plan. And I try to help parents. Don't let your children leave in the morning without blessing them. Don't let them go to bed at night without blessing them." Very easy, simple to start. And this little girl, they write me to this day, they support us to this day, they don't have a lot of money. Um, In a month, not only was she no longer failing, she had a C plus, they decided she didn't need special tutoring. One month, they couldn't believe what happened to her. Nobody taught her. It was the family. Mm-hmm. Getting together and praying and talking about the faith every night. Another family went in, had four girls, babies, all of them, and um, and I went. And I uh, they had a, a shelf in a in a case. they didn't have a table. That shelf is nice. We could put our lady on the shelf. All that, no fuss. And I gave the booklet to the father. I said, "Here, this is the prayers." He said, "Oh no, no, no." And my wife, I said, "No, you. That's the way God wants." I don't know what he was thinking, but it's you. So he'd be embarrassed not. So he took it. And the wife is trying not to laugh. And the children are and as he started laughing, as he started praying, the little girls went over to him. They were hanging on his legs, looking at him. The place changed. He became the leader of his house. Only for leading in prayer. And I said, now don't let your wife gather the family for the rosary, you do it. And um, then I'd teach them how to pray for meals. Um, it is absolutely life changing. It's so, so, so beautiful. Um, one of my dreams, um, when I was at Catholic Answers, and I said, I felt like I hit a run, you know, conference 50 a year, conference home, conference home. And I loved it, but then what? I feel, I don't know what God has done, since I'm a little girl in Brooklyn, I've always felt that God gave me a shepherd's heart. I used to work for orphanages and things. And I did a 54-day novena one day at my home before the crucifix. And I said, I can't stand all this, going to conferences, giving talks, coming home. People go home, they come down from the so-called mountaintop, life is the same my husband doesn't believe, my children have left the faith, my wife this, stress in the home, normal. I said, I I need, I want to help them live the faith. That's my heart, to teach it and help them to live it. That's my heart. Mm-hmm. And going into homes and helping families, they get nervous because they don't know the faith. But I don't want them to get nervous. So I don't talk to them, I talk to the children. <laughs> I teach the five-year-old. Why did God make you? (laughs) And so we talk, and then the parents get it. One woman said to me, you're not going to believe what my daughter, uh, her daughter's nine, going for a first communion, and dropping dropping her off at CCD. The mother was a waitress. And we went out to talk one time, She said, you know, the cutest thing my daughter said, you're not going to believe it. We were at Mass on Sunday because they need the parents to come if they're going to have to send their children. So I went with her. And and when they uh, held up the cup, she said, Mommy, that's Jesus' blood. And the woman said to me, is that the cutest thing you've ever heard? She said, of course, I corrected her. I said, it's not. Jesus' blood, it's why. And I said, actually, your daughter was right. And we spent almost an hour talking about it. And her life has changed before me. And she said, you need to teach us. We don't know. And they don't, like Cardinal Renzi says all the time, they don't know that they don't know. Yeah. My heart is only that people would know and love and live the faith. I love teaching it but I love happy, helping them live it without without threat. How do you live the faith? I mean, I can't I can't homeschool my children. I mean, my house is a mess, so what? Who cares? You get to heaven, they need to love God. God's not gonna ask you if you kept your house clean. You know, your, your children will teach them to clean. It's fine, don't worry about all that. Be a happy, loving family who loves God, who cares. Don't worry about it. The rest will come. <laughs> well, my, th- my son's 14. What do I do with him? He doesn't want to be confirmed. His whole class doesn't want. His class is being confirmed. He doesn't want it. I said, don't you dare confirm him. Don't teach him that Catholicism is a lie. If he doesn't believe it, don't do it. Yeah. So it's so many different things. Wow. But my heart, I mean, the world needs to be saved. But the family is God's institution. And the only way to restore culture is through the family. And that'll bring the church back.